Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Welcome, friends and family and first-time visitors. We're so grateful that you would take this time out to join us as we, we, we read the Word and, and get connected with God. My name is Daniel Torres. I'm a minister in training here. I'm filling in for Pastor Dwayne Wright, who's currently preparing to uh, fly to Uganda and to spread the gospel and to, to raise the dead and heal the sick. He is being obedient to the Great Commission, and so we're very thankful for that. Today, PD has been speaking the last couple of weeks about the five priorities of life. The five priorities of life. These priorities are the most important priorities that, that one can have in his life. Um, he, he went through priorities one through three. I'll just give you a recap real quick. <clears throat> Priority one is give the word first place in your life. Priority two is give yourself to prayer. And priority three is live the word. Once again, that's give the word first place in your life, give yourself to prayer, and live the word. Today I will be presenting to you priority four, which is valuing relationships and maintaining healthy ones. But before we go into that, I would just like to pray and um, give the Holy Spirit the stage. So join me wherever you are with your hands raised or just a posture of, of receiving as we, we, we come to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just come before you, Father God, to thank you for this time. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which makes the deep things of God manifest to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, who leads us into all truth and understanding, Father God. We thank you for your word, that, that it, it brings light to our minds and light to our souls. We thank you for, for, the, for the glorious, glorious gift that you've given us in the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father God, that you give unto me a spirit, you give unto your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that you open the eyes of their hearts so they may know the hope to which they're called, and they know the glorious riches of inheritance for the saints and the surpassing power of towards them who believe, Father God. That same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside each and every one of us. And I thank you that you make manifest Christ in us the hope of glory. I thank you, Father God, that my, my, you, you give me the strength to serve, and I speak as the very oracles of God. I thank you that out of my belly burst rivers of living water, Father God. I thank you for transformed lives, changed minds. I thank you for healings, deliverances, salvation, Father God. We completely surrender this stage to you. And Holy Spirit, please have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Now, before we get into the Word, wherever you are, whether it's your phone, your Bible, your tablet, I would just like you to grab it, grab hold of it. And we know Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit thereof. So, according to that verse, we, we take hold of our Bibles or tablets or smartphones, whatever it may be, and we say that we have eyes to see. We have ears to hear, we have hearts to receive, and we have the mind of Christ. Those confessions can be found in Matthew 13 and 1 Corinthians 2, 16. So, on to the sermon. Priority number four is valuing relationships. Valuing relationships. Now, I, it, you know, I, I see social media and TV and all these things, and people are always talking about, oh, I'm alone, and I love being alone, and, um, cut, and this is cutoff season. 
going to cut this person off. I'm going to cut that person off. And everybody's getting cut off, cut off, cut off, cut off. It's so much cutting off that people are now living in isolation. In isolation. And there was a doctor one time who said that he knows of no more potent killer than isolation. There's nothing that'll kill quicker. Kill the mind, kill the heart, kill the body quicker than isolation. God did not create us to exist inside of a vacuum. He created us to experience and live in and, 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 and be fulfilled through the relationships that he's given us. So I'm going to mention four relationships that must be valued in this order. Our first relationship is that relationship with Jesus Christ. We need that relationship with Jesus Christ. Without this relationship, no other relationships matter. Jesus is not just the mediator between God and man. He's the mediator between man and man. The second relationship is our relationship with our spouse. Hallelujah. Such an important one. Our relationship with our spouse. The third one is the relationship with the body of Christ. And the last one is the relationship with the world. Now, if you're not married, then obviously number two doesn't apply to you. And the second most important one for you is the relationship with the body. So interesting things about God, right? God is obviously a God of relationships. I say this because he is the triune God. He eternally exists in a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So before time even began, God had already existed in relationships. And then he goes on to creation. And God creates man and gives his spirit unto man. Why did he give his spirit unto man instead of the trees and the birds and everything else? It's so that he could have a meaningful relationship with man because God can only be contacted through the spirit. Lastly, after God gave his spirit to man, he gave man a wife. So now that he wouldn't only have a fulfilling relationship through his spirit, he could have one with flesh and blood as well. So seeing that God really cares about relationships, we should care about them too. So let's go to the first relationship with Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you will, to John 15. John 15. Amen. Amen. So something very important to notice about how we experience our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not through our intellect. It's not through our emotions. It's not through our physical bodies. The way that we experience a relationship with Jesus Christ is through the indwelling Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus was walking with the disciples. He was walking for them about three years, and he was on his way to the cross. And they were saddened because they heard what Jesus, what Jesus was about to go, to go through. And Jesus told them, you're grieved, but you should rejoice because it's better for you that I do go. It is to your advantage if I do go. Now, you know, we've all been there before where we're like, God, just give me a sign. God, uh, we, 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 do, we do what Gideon does and we fleece God. You know, we, we, we ask him for a hundred million signs. We're like, and, you know, then we start to ask for like ridiculous things. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, if I'm, if I'm supposed to buy that car in red, let me see a hundred red cars just like that today. And we never, you know, rarely does it get answered. (laughs) Um, And Jesus is saying, it's actually better that I don't walk next to you, but it's better that I send the Holy Spirit to you. Because now he's not God next to you, but he's God inside of you. And he's closer than he could ever possibly be. So that is why he, he said it was to their advantage, because then he would have the deepest relationship with them possible. So that's John 15, 1 through 6. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's such a, a, a beautiful analogy of a vine, a grapevine, and Jesus' relationship with us. Such a beautiful analogy. Three things immediately jump out to me about this relationship. Three things. Write them down if you have a notebook or if you have some notes. This, since Jesus is the vine, he is, a never, he is never not pouring into the relationship. There's never a time where Jesus is not trying to give himself to you in the relationship. See, the vine's job, the vine's job is to supply the life and the power for the branch to grow the fruit. So Jesus is constantly, all day, all night, all week, all month, all year, trying to give himself to you, give his life to you, give his joy to you, give his peace to you, give his comfort to you, give his power to you. Jesus is nonstop give, 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 give. And that's good news. Hallelujah. That's good news. The second thing that jumps out to me is the organic nature of the relationship. So it's, it, Proverbs twenty twenty seven tells us that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, illuminating all the innermost parts of him. The spirit, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We go to the Genesis account and um, it says that God breathed his spirit into man. So not only is the relationship organic, but it's the original plan. God had always wanted a way to experience man at the deepest part that he possesses, which is their spirit. Always. This was the original plan. It didn't change. This isn't something brand new. God had always wanted to have man in such a relationship with them where there was nothing getting in the way of the relationship. That to the deepest part of the man, that the man could know God. That the man, like Adam, could walk with God in the garden. Or think about Enoch. Enoch didn't have a Bible. Enoch didn't have the Holy Spirit. But he knew God so much that he walked with him and God took him. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. The, all, the last thing that jumps out to me about this is the responsibility that lies on the branch. So if Jesus is constantly giving, giving, supplying, providing, giving, giving, and the relationship is so organic that, you know, you're, you're really made of the same stuff, right? That's the difference between us and animals and us and trees is that with God, we're, we're made of the same stuff. We have a spirit. So there's that fact that Jesus is always giving. There's the fact that we now possess something uniquely that only belongs to God so we can contact him. Now it's our responsibility to allow those two things to flow into our lives. When Jesus said that you need to abide in me, the word means to continue in me, to continue in me, to continue in me. We have to nonstop cultivate and practice this relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't happen overnight. It, 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 like any relationship, any, you think of your best friend, 
think of uh, y- y- your mother. Like, I'm, I, me and my mom are real close, right? Um, we've had some bumpy times in our relationships. We had some ups and downs in our relationships. But we're at a place now where we, our relationship is great, right? But it took time. You know, she, she birthed me and then I grew up. And, you know, I, went, I put her through all those things as well. But we don't want to talk about that right now. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, our, our relationship is what it is because of the time and the situations and the circumstances. It's the same way that Jesus is trying to have a relationship with you. It's, it's clear from the scriptures that we're going to have some troubles in this world. If anybody tells you that you get saved and, and everything goes away and, and everything's okay and, you know, now you're just going to be rich and blessed, and it's a lie, right? Jesus clearly said that we will have trials and tribulations in this world, but to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. So the one who's overcome the world wants to be in such a close relationship with you that no matter what you're going through, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, that he's helping you overcome, that he's providing you this, the things you need to, to live victorious in life. And we thank God for that. We, 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 we really take advantage. We, we really don't pay attention to how much, how giving Jesus is. Because think about that. The vine never stops supplying life to the branches. Never. Never. While we're sleeping, he's providing. While we're struggling, he's providing. While we're stressing, he's providing. Right? So what's the problem? The problem isn't on Jesus' end, it's on our problem. We don't abide. We like to abide in stress and we like to abide in struggle and, and oh, woe is me and, and my life is so hard and uh, nobody's loved me. And, 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 you know, you're abiding in a different branch there. That's not the word of God to you. That's the word of the enemy. You're abiding in something completely different. So let's abide in Christ. Amen. I want to point something out too. If you can, turn with me to Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13. I like to point something out to you. I think this is truly amazing. Truly, truly amazing. So we know that Peter and John had raised a man at the gate beautiful. He, they looked at a man and they said, silver and gold, we have none. But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man raised up and he was walking and leaping and praising God. So they got brought before the council and they boldly spoke before the council. And then this was the, the response of the people who, who, who brought them before them for trial. They said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow, look at that. Because of the relationship that they pursued with Jesus. Because there was a time, right, where Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter's response was, where else are we going to go? You have the eternal words of life. They pursued the relationship with Jesus as much as he pursued them. Well, not as much, but they did put, they did put in their work. So don't, don't we want that as believers? For when people to come, come, come by us and to come see us, they, they're like, you know what? There's something different about that young man. There's something different about that young woman. They've been with Jesus. They, they're, not, they're not normal. There's, 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 there's a mark on them. There's, there's some fruit on them that, that's different than anything else I've ever seen. Amen. That, that should be just such an encouragement for us to all pursue this relationship with Jesus. The more we pursue him, the more we look like him. Amen. Let's go to the second relationship. The second relationship is the relationship with your spouse. Hallelujah. Um, I, I'm recently married. I just got married in um, June to my, 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 my wonderful wife, Jessica, who is, I know she'll be watching this. Hey, baby girl, I love you. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
And let me tell you, you need grace to be married. You need the grace of God to be married. Love isn't enough. Attraction isn't. These are important, but it's not enough. It's the grace of God that sustains and builds healthy marriages. So if you're engaged or dating, these are careful things to consider. But if you try to practice them, you'll find yourself out of luck. The grace to be married only belongs to those in covenant, not to those who are playing house, not to those who, oh, well, we, we're just so in love. I mean, that's nice, but the grace that to sustain a marriage and to build a marriage and to keep a marriage only belongs to those who are in covenant. And I, I do have to say this because this is kind of a thing now. If the state doesn't recognize you as married, neither does God. The same way that you don't have your house if you don't have a deed. It, it's it's kind of simple. Anyway. Genesis 2.24, if you have, you know, turn with me real quick. There's just one quick verse. You don't have to turn it out. Just read it. It says, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall hold fast to his wife. Hold fast. Sounds like cuddling, right? Hold fast to my wife. Um, uh, yeah, hold fast. I'm sorry. I got off there. <laughs> but the King James Version, I like the word that the King James Version says. It takes the words hold fast and it renders it as cleave. It says that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I like the intensity of that word because marriage is intense. Marriage is super intense. It is the ultimate self-denial, self-giving experience that you can experience outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is careful to consider. And, and hear me here. Hear me here. Once you enter the marriage covenant, you yoke your destiny to the person you choose. Once you enter the marriage covenant, you yoke your eternal destiny to the person you choose. God says, let what God has, 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 has brought together, let no man separate. So you, you, you willingly choose to take this person as your lawfully wedded husband or your lawfully wedded wife. The state confirms it. God blesses it because, you know, God instituted marriage. And now... You are yoked to this person for better or for worse, sickness or health, poverty or richness, no matter what, you have yoked your destiny to them. That's why it's so important. I mean, outside of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the person you choose to marry is the most important decision you ever make in your life. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life. It'll either make your life heaven or it'll make your life hell. We've all seen what what some marriages that 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 look like hell? We've all seen them before. You know they're all over TV, they're all over social media, they're all over the news. Unfortunately, we've lived in some of these situations, um, and, and so we we know that that that's a very serious thing. You know, um, it, it it almost strikes me odd that people date without the intention to marry. Like you're trying people on, like you try clothes on. To me, that's just like an odd situation. But that that that's neither here or there. The devil hates your marriage. Believer, listen to me. The devil hates your marriage. One, it was instituted by God. Two, it tells us in the word that one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. There is exponential power in your marriage, believer. Exponential power. There's a power of multiplication. There's a power of unity. There's a power of agreement. And the devil hates it. He's going to do everything he can to get in the way of this marriage. Everything that he can. Everything that he can. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Let's go to Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 28. 
Ephesians 5, 22 through 28. Amen. Amen. Is, are you guys getting something out of this? Hope everybody's enjoying this. Amen. Ephesians 5. This is a very famous verse. I know it's famous because my wife actually likes to not quote the part for the wives, but always quote the part for the husband. So that like, you, you know, like, like, if, you know, if, I, if I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. She like, husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And I'm like, well, you know, this, there's some, some context that we're missing, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave, him, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. How easy it is to fall into sin when you're married and you don't obey these commands. How easy it is. People don't really realize that. These are not suggestions. These are commands. So once you enter this marriage covenant, this command holds true for every believer who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus. Husbands have to, wives have to submit to their husbands. And husbands have to love their wives as Christ loves the church. How easy it is for the enemy to get in if you don't carefully choose and seek God before you get married. You, you, you know, you, you see God, you, 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 you want to get married because they make you feel good. They, you know, they, you want to get married because they, they're handsome or they're pretty. Or they, they make good money, they got good jobs, they have ambition. Now these are all good things. You know, we don't want you to marry somebody, hopefully that's ugly. <laughs> um, you know, we don't want you to marry no lazy bums, right? So these are good things, but it is not enough. It is not enough. Uh, you, you need wise counsel. You, 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 need, you need to pray. You need to pray, 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 pray some more. <laughs> uh, uh, you need to do some, some premarital counseling, I would even say. Um, and, you know, it's just such an important thing. But I want, husbands and wives, look at this. For us who are married, even though it must be, it might be easy to, to fall into sin if you're not obeying these certain commands, God loves marriage. Oh my gosh, God loves marriage. God loves seeing you and your wife together. God loves seeing you and your husband together in, in unity. Oh, he loves it. He loves seeing you with your babies and he, he loves helping you multiply it and having more babies. And, and oh, he just loves it. It brings him so much joy to see you married. So as hard as the devil is trying to fight to destroy your marriage, God is doing a hundred times more to sustain your marriage. hundred times more to sustain your marriage. That should encourage you. That should, because if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. So, so Amos 3.3 says that how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? You don't have to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand. You don't. You don't, you don't have to think the same way as your wife, and most likely you won't. You don't have to feel the same way as your husband, and most likely you won't. You don't have to agree on every little thing for you to walk hand in hand with your spouse. How do you walk hand in hand with your spouse? You be quick to forgive. 
You make sure you spend time. You make sure you 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 encourage each other. You make sure that 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 the romance is still there. As a matter of fact, I'll say this: besides your salvation, you should fight for your marriage more than anything else in the world. You should fight, uh, and you should fight for your marriage more than you fight for your children. Because if you fight for your marriage and you keep your marriage, your children will be okay. You should fight for your marriage more than you fight for a house. You should fight for your marriage more than you fight for a job. Once you choose that woman or you choose that man, outside of the relationship with God, this is the primary relationship that you must care for and cultivate. Amen? Let's go to the third relationship. This is my, one, of, this one that touches my heart. Um, I'm a church baby, 95, church baby. Um, the third relationship is the relationship between you and the body of Christ. Now, once again, if you're single, engaged, or dating, I don't care for how long, this is the second most important priority for you. Not your little boo thing. Not baby girl. Not your man. None of that. This is the second most important priority for you. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4, one chapter back. Now, there's a couple of verses I'm going to have to read in here. So bear with me and open your ears to the word of God. Because even within the hearing of the word of God, faith is born. Even within the healing of the word, hearing of the word of God, deliverance comes forth. So, so really open your ears. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. As Jesus was going up, gifts was coming down. The more he rose, the more gifts were fallen. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be little children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There should be two words, you know, outside of Jesus that speak stick out to you in this, this, this passage. One is maturity and growth. The second is love. One is maturity and growth. And the second is love. This relationship right here, this relationship right here, will help you and lead you into the fullness of everything God called you to. Your your destiny, I'm talking to you believers, your destiny, your calling, where God wants you, where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to have, you will not get it 
if you do not value your relationship with the body of Christ. Because no part of a body can survive by itself. It really blows my mind. Um, and I do understand that the church isn't the four walls. I get it, right? The church is a body of believers. I mean, if we go outside to the beach right now, five, five deep, we're the church. When I'm in my house with my wife and my son, we're the church. So I, I get that. But shouldn't we be praising God that we have buildings to gather in together? That we have a, a place with a roof and heat and, and comfortable chairs that we can gather in together? It's, there's places in other countries where they, they don't have that and they wish they had this. They, they wish that they had this. If you have any time, I can't really talk about it, but if you have any time, go look at the church in China. Maybe it'll give you a, a, a different trajectory on your view. Of, of a building. And you know, and then another thing is that is not an excuse to not attend church. <laughs> it's not biblical and it's not rational. Right? If believers gather together in church and the writer of Hebrews does exhort us to not forsake the assembly, then we have to gather with them. And where do they gather? At church. Now, if you have a home church, that's cool too. But if you don't have a church and you just you know, I don't need to go to church. The Bible doesn't tell you that. Oh, I don't, I don't I, you know, I can just go every now and then. The Bible doesn't tell you that. Uh, honestly, the New Testament is never written to a Christian that's not in a church. There's not a book in the New Testament that's not written to a Christian that's not in a church. So the New Testament doesn't know churchless Christians. That being said, get involved. Get connected. Get connected. If, you, if you're having a heart, and I get it, right? So to, I'll be very honest. I grew up in church. I was, I was born in the hospital. Then I went to church, and I've been in church ever since. So I'm a, like I said, I'm a church boy through and through. Imperfect people or people with bad motives are not an excuse for you to not go to church. Because those same people are at your job. Those same people are at the grocery store. Those same people at the clubs you go to, huh? Right? Right. So it's not an excuse to not go to church. The imperfections of people should not push you away from being with them. It should move you to love them. Not to push you away. If you're getting offended about how everybody's doing or things not going your way in the church and you want everything to be like this and you want the pastor to wear this kind of tie and you want the band to play this kind of music, I can guarantee you that you're the one in the way, not the church. I can guarantee it. Amen? Now, listen, church is such a beautiful place. I mean, and this is just me speaking, right? I, I, when, when I was going through what I was going through, when I was down and out, when the world had cast me aside, it was the people in the church who loved me back into, Christ, back into my relationship with God. It was people in the church who believed in me and prayed for me and reached out to me that, 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 that the love was so overwhelming that I know the love of God through the love of the people of, of the church. You can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that anywhere else. Let's go to Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. Amen. Amen. And they, so the church had just started. Holy Spirit had fell on the day of Pentecost. People were getting saved left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right. 
That's what we need today. That's what we need today. Uh, we, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to cry out for the Holy Spirit. We need to learn how to communicate with the Holy Spirit. We need to know how to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? You, you don't just wake up one day and you're like, oh, I, I, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, this, this good. No, you practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. You get familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit. You get familiar with how the Holy Spirit moves. You sense the moves of God through the Spirit. We, we need that drastically in the church today. We, we need a fresh revelation of who the Holy Spirit is and what he's come to, done, come to do. The, 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 the apostles in Acts took the world by storm. Took the world by storm. And we should be doing the same exact thing. Amen? Glory to God. So Acts 2, 42-47. And when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful picture of a healthy church. What a beautiful picture of a, of a healthy body. Isn't it? They're all together. They're hanging out. They're sharing stuff. Like let's say a guy had no shoes on. I got some shoes on. I give him my left shoe. Now we both got one shoe. <laughs> Who cares? We happy, right? <laughs> but we both got a shoe. Sharing everything. But no, no, they said there was no lack because they decided to share everything. So we would have both had shoes on. Thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's just a, this. This is what the church. Now, let me ask you something. You see this picture of the church? Do you think everybody had good motives there? Do you think everybody was nice? You think everybody smelled nice? You think everybody had nice breath? No, probably not. <laughs> right? It, it was probably some, some, you know, some some troubled people in the midst. Actually, I know there were troubled people in the midst because if you go a couple chapters down to Acts chapter five, you have Ananias and Sapphira who tried to lie to the people of God and the Holy Spirit to gain approval and notoriety. But did this dissuade people from joining together? No. It brought them together closer to love each other, to protect each other, to care for each other. I'm going to tell you something about the body of Christ, and this is for anybody who chooses to receive it. The world is trying to beat the church to the ground. They are trying to beat the church to the ground. Any way they can, they're trying, to, they're trying to malign our doctrine. They're trying to malign our beliefs. They're trying to attack our children. We need each other. You, when you go to church, whoever's watching this, when you go to church, know that these people there need you and you need them. They need you and you need them. When, God, when Jesus Christ established the church, he established an organism that meant, was meant to, 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 to feed you and, 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 and help you grow and to protect you and to love you and to care for you. This is the purpose the church was made. 
It wasn't made so we could just come together here Sunday, sing a couple songs, say hallelujah, somebody falls out. Oh, they always fall out. This is not what it was made for. Oh, Mr. So-and-so, yeah, he falls out every third Sunday of the month. This is not what it was made for. This was made so that when we exist together, by the grace of Jesus Christ, bearing with one each other, bearing with one each other, or with each other, that we're supposed to experience the love of God, the provision of God, and maturity. As a matter of fact, maturity cannot happen without love, and love cannot happen without fellowship. If you are not connected to the body of Christ, if you are not connected to a local assembly, there is only so far you can go in the things of God. You will hit a cap. You will hit a cap. You will stop growing. I know so many people, like, because, you know, we invite people to church. I know so many people that when they come to church, they're like, yo, something just changed since I started coming to church. Yeah, you started being obedient. Things always change when you be obedient. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And also people who are in churches. If you go outside to work, the, the grocery store, the streets, I don't care what you do, you're going to be around people that aren't believers. You know, we can't escape it. We can't escape this reality. And this is on the next point, but I do want to say this. The church is made for them too. The, the church is, is a place of surgery. Amen? People come into the church and they got all types of things going on. They're depressed. Life beat them down. They, 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 they've been molested. They, they've, been, they've been hurt. They've been accused. They, their character has been slandered. And they come in the doors. The presence of God hits them. Somebody says, you know what? Jesus loves you. They give them a hug. They break down in tears. They receive Jesus Christ. And you brought somebody into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That, that's what the church is for. So when you're walking around, I'm going to tell you something. I've been in some very bad places. And anywhere where there's people... There's broken hearts. And anywhere where there's broken hearts, you will find the power of Jesus to help heal them. Amen? Glory to God. Now let's go to the, the last, last relationship. This last relationship is your relationship with the world and the people of the world. This is what this last relationship is about. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14 through 18, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk with them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. There is a very, 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 a hundred times obvious dichotomy in this world. There are two states of existence for human beings. Saved or unsaved? Believer or unbeliever? Son of God? Son of disobedience? There's no two ways about it. You know, I, I, I've, heard, I've heard people like, well, they're almost saved. You're not saved till you're saved. <laughs> and that's just, there's no two ways about it. I, you know, I, I really, because 
I have, I have, I, you know, I have acquaintances that are unbelievers. I do. I have acquaintances that are unbelievers that are really nice guys. They're cool people, you know. Um, you know, I spent some time in the streets and I made a lot of friends and, and they, you know, acquaintances actually. And, and, and there's a reason I'm saying acquaintances. And they're cool dudes and they stuck, you know, we looked out for each other, whatever may be the case. But at the end of the day, nobody's almost saved. <laughs> they're saved or they're not. No matter how much I like them, it doesn't change the word of God. No matter how much I want something to be true, if it's not in the Word of God, it's not true. So what do I do in this situation? I can't try to change the Word of God to fit my narrative. I have to change myself to see the Word of God for the way it is, and that's the truth. Amen. Now, because of this dichotomy, believers versus... It's not an us-against-them situation. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not like, oh, you know, now we got to go to war with unbelievers or anything like that, right? Because the word obviously says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? So we go for the source. But if this relationship, when we talk about maintaining this relationship, because the thing is, we have to experience this relationship until Jesus takes us back. There's no way to escape it. Paul actually said that if we were to avoid you know, swindlers and, and sexual immorality people, we'd have to leave the world, which means we'd have to die. Um, if you don't want to deal with sin, the devil, or unbelievers, you just have to die, right? Because that's what the Bible says, and, you know, we don't want to do that. So how, what do we do with this situation? And I would say that when the Bible talks to how believers should deal with unbelievers, there's always a note of caution. There's always a note of caution, right? Be ye not unequally yoked. First John 2 says, love not the world, nor the things of the world. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? First Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. So we, we, we tread lightly. We tread lightly. Now we do have to go to work. We do have to interact in this world. We do have to go to school, you know, schools and whatever may be the case. So this is what we do. As we cultivate the first three relationships, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with, with the body of Christ, then we will have more influence on relationship number four than relationship four will have on us. As we cultivate the first three relationships, we become the light of the world that God created us to be to people. We transform lives. We change destinies. I, I, there's an uh, old preacher, he passed away for some time. His name is T.L. Osborne, and he was a regular farmer. And he said, do you know why people experience miracles when I meet them? He said, it's because I believe that when people come in contact with me, they come in contact with the living God. Not saying he was God, but that God was in him and living, and living through him. Right? We got to have the same mindset. We have to watch to be careful with how our conversation is around unbelievers because we could be the very thing that changes their lives for eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's go to... Let's go to... Oh, okay, my bad. So as, as, as we interact in the world and stuff like that, it, does, it says, love not the world nor the things in the world. It doesn't say don't love the people of the world. Right? We're not supposed to isolate ourselves from unbelievers like oh no they're an unbeliever like they got like disease or something like i can't get near them like you know we're not supposed to do that but 
be careful, be cautious. Be careful, be cautious. Right now, mind you, God will bring you into the midst of unbelievers so that you have the grace to, to speak the gospel to them, to speak life into their lives, right? But I, I, do, I do say that majority of people aren't just loving the people of the world, but they're loving the things that they do and they like to do them together with them. Now that's a problem. That's a problem. The way to take care of this relationship is to love them without compromising. Love them without compromising. We all have unbelieving friends, right? So for instance, one of my real close friends, we, we did some time together and he, he'll be like, yo, you, you, you trying to go to this, this club or this party? Absolutely not. You want to go to lunch sometime? <laughs> you know, no, I don't want to go. You want to get, but what happens is, and this is what I've noticed in my life, is the more they see that I don't want to do the things that they do, the more they pull away from me. And that's okay. You got to be, sometimes the only way to maintain this relationship is by cutting it off. Sometimes you've allowed an unbeliever in your life to get too close and now they have too much influence in the way you think. They have too much influence in the way you speak. They have too much influence in the way that you, 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 you hear things. As a matter of fact, there are some people that go to their unbelieving friends for advice more than they'll go to their pastor or somebody in their church. And then they wonder why their life is messed up. <laughs> They wonder why their life is messed up. You know, people, unbelievable. Oh, yeah, go get a divorce <laughs> ASAP. Pastor, I, well, you know, you really want you to, to, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would you approach from a biblical? You know, they wonder why their life is in, in disarray. Some people have allowed unbelievers so close to them, so close to them, that nobody can recognize the difference between them. That's no good. There should be a clear difference. Amen. Amen. But I will say this. Psalm 16, 5 through 6 says, The Lord is my, cho my, my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Amen. So as I wrap this up, I do want to say that even though we're in the world, we're not of, even though we're not of the world, but we're in the world, God does want us to enjoy our journey here. Joyce Meyer has her, her ministry called Enjoying Everyday Life. I love the name of it because God really wants you to enjoy everyday life. God wants you to have a good day every day. I, when I was away for a little bit, I, a dude walked up to me. He said, you know, I, I, I don't like you. I said, uh, I was like, why, why you don't like me for it? He's like, you never have a bad day. I said, I've had so many bad days, but now I got Jesus. I don't got to have him no more. So I, I don't want him. <laughs> but he really told me that. And um, do, I, do I have hard days? Yes. Yes. But my days are near, nowhere near as dark as they were when I was without God. Nowhere near. All I got to do is go back and think on a day, any day, years ago, and then look at where I am today with God and remember the goodness of God. And my day's going to change. Amen. Amen. So here's some, as we close, I just want to give some practical applications. Right? So how do you, how do you get closer to Jesus? How do you uh, cultivate this relationship? Spend much time in the Word. Spend much time in prayer. Spend much time in the Word. Spend much time in prayer. And this last one is a trick that'll really, really do something for you. Find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. Because when you serve, Jesus is right next to you because he's done, that's what he did. You know, so spend much time in the word, spend much time in prayer, and find a place to serve. With your spouse, the second relationship, cherish your time with your spouse. James warns us that what is our life but a 
a breath. <laughs> we'll be gone here, gone here one day, gone the next. Cherish your time with your spouse. Don't get too busy to spend time with them. Don't get too wrapped up in the ins and outs of life. Um, I mean, I, I love my wife, man. She, she's an amazing woman. She, she puts up with me. How blessed she is. Amen. Um, no, but um, she really puts up with me. And, and, and you know, another thing, and this is just something so simple. Be kind to each other. Be quick to forgive. If, you, if there's anybody in the world you should be like that with, it's your spouse. Third one. I said it before. Get connected to a church. Now, I understand not every church is for everybody. Ask the Lord to what church you should go to. And I'm, I know without a doubt that he'll direct you because he'll always lead you to be obedient. Amen? Get connected. Join a church. Attend church. Tithe. Give offerings. Praise and worship. Meet people. Talk to people. Don't go to church. Sit in the back left corner. Put your hoodie on and try to hide. What's the point of that? <laughs> you know, yeah, come out to church and you don't got to talk to everybody, but I'm sure somebody's going to try to talk to you and just be open. The last one with the relationship with the world is be the light of the world. Love people, enjoy life, but refuse to conform. Refuse to conform. If you truly love your friends who are unbelievers, then you know that Jesus is the only hope for them. And as you conform to make them more comfortable, you do a disservice to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm, something to think about. If you truly love your friends, you won't conform. Amen. I hope everybody had a good time. Um, I pray the word blessed people. Um, I said a lot about Jesus. Well, I said a lot about a lot of things. I said a lot about a lot of things. But um, the reason we, as Kingdom Living Ministries and as a church, exist in general um, is because Jesus died for us and rose again for our sins. He paid the penalty for your sins so that you could have a relationship in eternity with, with God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. And when, when I, when, he so loved you, whoever's listening. He so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you say, I, I don't have Jesus. I don't have everlasting life. I'm still in my sin. I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to, how to, how to free myself from this, from what's going on. Well, we have an answer for you now. And we have a way, the way, the truth, and the life. Also, if you, his name is Jesus, amen? So if, if, if you want to give your life to Christ, or even if you, you've, you've backslidden to a point where you, you just, you feel so disconnected from God, so out of the way that, you know, your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling and you just, you don't have no love for the word. You don't have no love for church. You've gone completely cold. Then there's restoration for you here as well. So join me as we pray this, pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I, I come before you as a sinner. I, I, I come before you as somebody who needs forgiveness. I come before you as somebody who just, hey, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need, I need something real. I need this, this relationship, this real, meaningful, fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ. I, 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 confess, I confess with my mouth that Jesus died and rose again 
I confess myself that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that he died and rose again. I cast all my sins at the feet of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for having me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for pouring out your love lavishly on me and making me a son and daughter of Christ. I receive you into my life, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. If you said that prayer for the first time or if you rededicated yourself, welcome to the family. If I had a strobe light and a DJ, we'd be having a party right now. Welcome to the family of God. I encourage you to, to get connected to a church. If you need some information, um, you can go to our website, um, KLM and King, KingdomLivingNJ.org, and we have some information for you. Um, and we'll definitely send you some things just so, you know, get, get, get involved, get to a church. Um, there's a wonderful book called Welcome to the Family of Heaven. I believe it's by Kenneth Copeland. Uh, Welcome to the Family of God. It's an amazing book. There's a book, New Birth, by um, Kenneth Hagin. There's a little pamphlet. Definitely grab something like that. Um, before we end, I hope you guys got something. Thank you for having me. I, I went a little bit over time, but thank you for having me. Um, it's really just an honor to preach the word of God and to be used by God. Um, there's, there's nothing else in the world like it. Amen. So if you were in any way blessed by this message, encouraged by this message, challenged by this message, and you feel a tug on your heart to sew, or if you just want to sew because you like my sweater, it, it doesn't really matter, but it does say God, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And the nature of seed is that when it's sown, it always brings back a harvest. Hallelujah. So we have a couple ways to give. You can either text KLM to 833-245-7413. Once again, that's text the letters KLM to 833-245-7413. Or you can cash app to money sign KLMNJ. Cash app to money sign KLMNJ. And if you're real old school and you want to take it back to the early 90s, you can mail your check to P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 07083. Once again, mail checks to P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 07083. Make the checks payable to KLM, please. Now, as I dismiss you, I just want to pray for you guys. I thank you, Father God, for everybody who watched this service. I thank you, Father God, for everybody who watched the word today. I thank you, for everybody, Father God, for everybody who received the word into their hearts today. I thank you, Father God, that they guard the word with all, cur with all courage, Father God, because we know the enemy comes to steal the word as soon as it's planted. I thank you that they not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well, Father God. I thank you that they take hold of your promises, promises this week and walk in victory each and every day, no matter what the enemy throws at them, Father God. I pray that you bless them this week and may the Lord keep you and shine his face upon you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.